Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No Trump. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hey everyone, Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we took a little break over the holidays and uh, I hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. Uh, it's been a difficult week, obviously, here in Washington, D.C. Uh, with the uh, violence uh, associated with the Electoral College deliberations in Congress this week. Uh, we now officially have an incoming uh, new president, President-elect Biden. So uh, he will be the president on January 20th. Uh, so a lot to talk about. We have uh, election investigation updates, uh, and we have other issues to talk about as well. Uh, but first up is the outrageous uh, violence that took place uh, on Wednesday. Uh, the left is pretending that uh, uh, President Trump incited violence. He didn't incite violence. Uh, but uh, let's be clear here. What went on was unacceptable. And I guess you already know that's what I believe, because I'm sure that's what you believe, that violence is unacceptable. And uh, this should not have happened. Uh, the uh, security was uh, completely uh, unable to control the crowd. So there are administrative issues there. Uh, but there was no reason, no reason at all, under law or practically or morally, to attack police and breach those lines. And, uh, and they, there were people there intent on insurrection. That's clear. Not everyone, but people were intent on insurrection. When you go in and people were intent on going in to try to stop Congress from performing its constitutional processes, uh, that's insurrection. That is. Uh, and it doesn't justify, uh, it doesn't mean that we can't have concerns about the election. It doesn't mean that we can't exercise our First Amendment rights to peaceably assemble, uh, but there are rules. Now, unlike the left, I oppose violence. Unlike the left, I oppose all insurrection. I oppose political riots. I oppose riots generally. And the left doesn't believe that because they've spent the last year or two defending political violence, condoning violence, joking about violence. So there are no apologies necessary from conservatives who have always opposed violence. As I said, the president didn't incite violence. I mean, that's just another smear uh, that they're going to try to use to uh, uh, take out President Trump from the political landscape by trying to impeach him again. I mean, the left is out of control right now. This was an emotional week. I understand that. I mean, the idea that any member of Congress would fear for their immediate personal safety while performing their duties on behalf of the American people is outrageous. It's outrageous. But I was outraged. I'm outraged about that. I was also outraged about the riots in which the White House was being targeted. And the president had to go to his bunker because they were fearful the White House was going to be overrun by the violent BLM Antifa right, uh, radicals outside the White House. Going back, I was attending 
the Kavanaugh hearings and I saw a takeover of the Senate buildings and violence and intimidation and lawlessness around the Kavanaugh hearings. They were trying to overthrow the Senate processes. That was insurrection, I guess, in retrospect, right? Resisting police arrest and refusing to move and you know assaulting people attending the hearings or trying to participate in the process. And I warned, I said, I don't understand why that was allowed to take place and what were they gonna to do to fix it? Nothing was done to fix it. Over the I suggested and others did, the president should uh, invoke the Insurrection Act to protect the Capitol. In fact, he took additional action that ended up saving the Capitol. But if the Insurrection Act had been put in place, we probably could have had the security there in place already to make sure that crowd didn't get out of control as it did. And so now the left is using uh, this uh, this incident as it was a deadly incident. It led to people dying. A police officer is dead. A woman was shot and killed in the Capitol by a police officer. Three other people died. I don't know the circumstances, medical emergencies, but associated with the with the protest slash rioting. I don't know. So five people are dead that probably wouldn't otherwise have been dead, but for what happened. That's serious, serious stuff. And we should be worried generally that there's a group, now that there's a crew on the right that thinks they can commit violence. We already know the left thinks they commit violence, can commit violence. The whole uh, establishment political class as certainly on the left side of it is, has spent their time defending, condoning it, winking at it, literally giving money to the people who were involved in it. So we know that the left doesn't really care about violence when they say, that, oh, this is the worst thing in the world. It was terrible, but it was also terrible when the White House was attacked and all the other violence that's taken place in cities across the country. It's all been terrible. And it's outrageous that it's now extended to the heart of our legislative branch, the US Capitol. So to be clear, I don't, I don't think this is to be minimized. I don't think, you know, I don't, I'm not overstating it at all. And I'm frustrated because there was a significant debate going on. Not the sort of debate I would have liked and as comprehensive as I would have liked. But it was a debate nevertheless, and all of that is now. As from the media perspective and big tech's perspective, we're not even allowed to talk about the election. We're not. Google and YouTube has warned, again, that if anyone makes the allegation that fraud had a material impact on the election, fraud or errors, I don't even know what that means, they'll have the video taken down. So as this video is appearing on YouTube, I'm gonna to have to be careful about what I say. But I do know that the courts failed, the state legislators failed, and Congress failed to grapple with the 2020 election issues. They failed.
Now, President Biden will be the lawful president of the United States. I know what you're saying. Well, are all these issues about how he got, no, that's, you know, constitutionally speaking, that's water under the bridge because he's going to be the president and the lawful president. Now, whether he has political authority or moral authority, that's always, that's, you know, that's true for any president. And I think he probably has diminished moral authority because of the election controversies. Heck, half of the country didn't think President Trump had the right to be a president. And now half of the country is going to think President Biden is, uh, is, is uh, you know, doesn't have the similar moral authority. Now, the big difference is critics of President Biden, or President-elect Biden, technically, they don't control the media. They don't control big tech. So now criticism of the election is banned on YouTube. Criticism of the election uh, is the left is trying to, right now, they're unhinged. They are unhinged. They're trying to impeach the president of the United States because he gave a speech objecting to the way the elections were run and didn't call for violence at all. He called for a peaceable, a peaceable, a peaceable march. In fact, big tech call, took something down where he called for peace and people to go home because he criticized the election outcome and how it was handled. That was a political decision. That wasn't about violence. So now they're using the excuse of they're trying to say that if you criticize the election, it's violent. They're trying to outlaw speech. They're trying to outlaw their political opponents, the leftists, are, is, are. I've kind of all you grammarians can uh, have a separate debate as to whether it's a plural or uh, I should use it as a plural or singular verb. I, I alternate. But the left is out of control, out of control. And, and you know, to my friends and fellow Americans on the, Dem on, uh, you know, on the left and the Democratic side and, you know, you guys, you got to ease up. I mean, practically speaking, they say they're in favor of a peaceful transition, yet they want to spend the two next two weeks trying to get Trump. And I said, it's not because of his, he didn't indict, he didn't incite violence. And they don't, because they don't really care about that because they incite violence and spent the last year inciting violence. They don't oppose it in principle. They don't. They justify rioting. I don't justify rioting. They do. But they recognize President Trump as a significant political figure and they don't want him around or they want him hamstrung or to have less credibility once he's out of office. They're never going to stop harassing him. They're never going to stop harassing him. I know it's frustrating. I know it's frustrating, but you know, all you can do is what you can do as you look ahead over the next uh, few years. You know, Judicial Watch, this is, I was doing, I was doing some accounting. It's not the big number, but this is going to be our fifth president. And certainly in recent years from Obama to Trump to this administration, the new one, I don't see much different for Judicial Watch. 
We're going to be advocating for justice. We're going to be advocating for accountability. We're trying to going to figure out about the corruption of the Biden Obama gang and still Hillary Clinton to a certain extent. Trying to figure out what went on in the Trump administration, how justice was subverted there. It's like the uh, Who song. Meet the new boss, same as the old boss. So the Justice Department, and this is the tragedy or outrage of the Trump administration. I jokingly say it was, it, from our perspective, it's been the Holder, Lynch, Sessions, Barr. I guess it's now, um, I forget the name of the acting attorney general, Ross Rosen. Justice Department, nothing's going to change. And now Attorney General, uh, not the Attorney General, will likely be confirmed. Uh, Judge Garland will probably be the Attorney General under uh, President Biden. I don't see anything different. I mean, the Justice Department is defending Hillary Clinton. I mean, is that headline going to change now or change in the future? I mean, it's the Trump, I mean, it's, it's, it hasn't changed. People say, is there going to be justice? Well, we couldn't get justice under the Trump Justice Department. What makes you think that the Biden Justice Department is going to do anything, at least voluntarily? You know, now, politically speaking, I'll put on my political analyst hat. I think the Biden administration's got major issues that they're going to have to contend with. I mean, first of all, they have a bare majority in the House and the Senate. So uh, they probably will do some things that we object to as conservatives and constitutionalists. But they may not be able to do other things that we thought they'd be able to do because they don't have the numbers that they thought they would have had. So there are different, there, the challenges will be significant, but there may be challenges in one area and surprisingly challenges that we're able uh, as conservatives to advance in others. Uh, as I said, President Biden is, is uh, coming in on the heels of a disputed election that tens of millions of Americans are upset about. He has to handle the battle between the corrupt corporatist democratic establishment and the radical activist leftists that are in ascendancy in his party. And then he's got his corruption issues. <laughs> I don't know, you know, we're all supposed to forget about his corruption issues. His son's under federal criminal investigation. And the evidence is he's implicated in some of the schemes. So he's gonna have to have a special counsel appointed to investigate not only his son, his brother, and potentially his involvement. I do think there's going to be a special counsel. I don't see how Judge Garland is going to have any choice but to appoint a special counsel. Now, but it is the left and the rules don't apply. I know the rules apply differently for the left versus the right or Republicans versus Democrats, et cetera. But you can trust Judicial Watch to hold the Biden administration accountable as we held the Trump administration accountable, as we held the Obama administration accountable, as we held the Bush, Bush administration accountable, as we held the Clinton administration accountable. Congress isn't going to do it. The media is completely in a tank for Biden. There are a few good conservative journalists out there who are still doing investigative reporting, but the big media isn't doing it.
and obviously the independent agencies or inspector generals and all that in the Biden administration, they're, they're not going to do much. They didn't do much under Trump other than harass Trump appointees. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited because I know what Judicial Watch has to do. We got work to do. We know what we have to do. We got to hold the government accountable under the law. We've got this wonderful right under our constitution to petition the government. We're probably going to have to battle and watch our backs as big tech and the left abuse government and uh, private resources to target their political opponents. The left wants to outlaw its opposition. I mean, that's probably the most significant challenge we face. Just the ability to operate, to talk. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if Judicial Watch was taken off all the social media platforms. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And get targeted by government agencies and such. It wouldn't surprise me at all. But I'm confident we've got the support of the American people. I mean, we were around before largely, you know, this whole rise of social media. We'll, we'll be around even if it's blocked from us. So we're going to be investigating the Biden scandals. We're going to be investigating the election issue. We've got litigation right now. Right now it's ongoing to clean up election rolls. I've been talking about it since for, for 10 years almost. And we've been successful. But more needs to be done. And as you can see, the use of mail-in balloting which to me is anathema to free, fair and free uh, elections. It's likely to continue, if not worsen, in terms of the reliance. It's more important than ever that the election rolls be clean. And as long as we're able to do it under law, because I guarantee you the left is going to try to stop us by changing a law that allows us to go into court and require the states clean up the rolls. We're going to do it. We're just going to keep on fighting to clean up the roles, find out what went on, and figure out why and how the Biden administration is doing what it's doing. Because usually the left operates in a way where major government decision making is not done. There's the surface reasons for doing it. They're doing it because they love the earth, the environment, or social justice and all the other rhetoric they use, but usually it's usually a donor that gets taken care of or uh, a political supporters that get taken care of and it's not the public interest. Big government, big socialism and big corruption go hand in hand. So Judicial Watch's work is more essential than ever. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy here in Washington right now. The, the establishment political class is, is angry at Trump. They never really liked him, so now they're just angry at him because of this violence, falsely tying him to the violence. And we're going to investigate that. But of course, Congress isn't subject to FOIA. The Capitol Police, they're not subject to FOIA. So all the politicians complaining about the violence make themselves immune from investigations about the violence. How do you like them apples, huh? That's the irony of it. So it's kind of a, you know, we've got work to do folks. So I know you're upset. 
many of you probably you know, don't like uh, the fact that President Biden's going to be President Biden, but you know, look, you know, we had a President Obama. It was challenging then. We're going to have the actually some of the people who committed the corruption. It looks like and were involved in the worst corruption scandal in American history. Not only coming back, but they're getting promotions under Biden. I mean, Biden himself was involved in it, so he's got promoted by the American people. So we'll see. We're ready to act. We're ready to use the law and use the Constitution to hold the government accountable. And we're the best group to do it. There's no one who does it better than Judicial Watch. No one. So I want to thank you for your support over the years. And those of you who supported us, you have made us, put us in a in the poll position in terms of accountability for the Biden administration. So we've got lots of other things to talk about in the sense of, uh, I wanna give you some update on our election integrity work because the media doesn't wanna talk about this. Uh, many of the Republicans are fearful and we should, by the way, I, I don't, I meant to print off the list of the senators who supported the objections, but they're under, they're being, attacked. I mean, it just shows you President Trump was just a focus of the attack. Once he leaves the, the scene, more or less, they'll just target others. It doesn't matter. It's just, it's, it's not principled opposition. It's just they look for uh, people to attack based on, uh, you know, for political purposes, which is, you know, that's politics in some way, but, you know, let's not be naive about it. So now they're focusing on, on Senator Hawley, who raised objections, and Senator Cruz, who also led objections. Like I said, they're trying to outlaw and make it impossible politically to challenge the incoming presidency. And that ain't American. Does it sound American to you? It's one thing to say, I think you need to be held accountable for this. It's another thing to say, you are a criminal for exercising your first amendment rights is which is what they're saying. It's terrible. But Ted Cruz, just uh, Judge Hall, uh, I keep on calling him Judge Hawley. It's it's uh, Senator Hawley. Several other senators, um, you know, deserve your so deserve your thanks if you share their share uh, if you if you approve of what they do, you should let them know. You should let them know. I think Senator Scott was down in Florida. He he stepped up. He's being attacked. But the courts and Congress and the state legislatures have failed to grapple with the 2020 election issues. They just failed. They failed. So it's up to us as voters and activists to at least ensure that we know what happened and make sure that we have, as best as we're able, elections that uh, Americans can have better confidence in. We want to ensure that we have elections that people have confidence in. We don't want to undermine elections. We want clean and fair elections that everyone feels, I'm going to participate because my vote will count. And they should be run in a way that reassure people that integrity is, is front and center. If we're going to have mail-in balloting, why is it their voter ID tied to the mail-in balloting? Right now, mail-in balloting is incompatible with voter ID. I think there are only two states that have it. So you may live in a state with voter ID. In Georgia, for instance, they have voter ID. Show up in person, you use a, you have to have an ID, more or less. 
But if you vote by mail, which as you know, millions did, no voter ID. So it's an end run around voter ID, isn't it? So those are sorts of issues that we have to um, educate people about in addition to judicial watch of litigation uh, in the coming months and years. In the meantime, the left plans to nationalize elections more or less and make it impossible to uh, actually mandate voter ID, clean up rolls. Essentially, what you don't like about the 2020 election, they want to enshrine a national law. That's what they aim to do, among other things. So in Georgia, for instance, we just had new, uh, you know, we've got dozens of requests to the various battleground states about the way they handled the election. And we have other investigations, including a data analysis that we conducted in Georgia of election uh, votes. And we found just recently, I guess just this week we put out that there were over 4,700 Georgia absentee votes tied to non-residential addresses. Well, why is that important? Well, because Georgia law requires citizens registering to vote reside in that place in which such person's habitation is fixed. So in other words, you really just can't, you can't use a commercial address to register to vote. You got to live somewhere. And that's what the law is in Georgia. And so if you're registering from a commercial address, it raises questions about whether the vote is legit or not. It doesn't mean the vote is illegit because A, it may actually not be a commercial address or B, you're, you're using it as a residential address. You actually are living there. It's a hotel and for whatever reason, you're living in a hotel and you tend to have it, inhabit it for time. Maybe you could be a hotel business owner, for instance. But uh, we had similar issues pop up. We alerted the Georgia Secretary of State's office to in April. And, uh, and if obviously we shared the most recent data with the Georgia Secretary of State's office this week. So we'll see what they do with it. They need to, it needs to be investigated. It needs to be investigated. You know, all we can do is say, here's some information and evidence you should investigate. I should say that's all we can do. But that's one thing we can do. And we'll see what they do with it. And we're not going to forget about it. We're going to ask them what they do with it. So that's why, you know, that's what I love about Judicial Watch. We're always, we're always working. We're always working. And we're always going to be working for election integrity. Uh, similarly, um, we reported this week that in Kentucky, this, this is one of these things that really, this was a really troublesome development. So you may recall in, I think it was in 2019, that we had a, um, a consent judgment, that's a 2018 or 19. Uh, we had a consent judgment, the Justice Department for the, I think the only substantive move they made on election integrity matters, they moved the intervene once we had sued on cleaning up the rolls in Kentucky. Kentucky's rolls were a mess. And so Kentucky entered into a consent agreement with Judicial Watch and uh, to call a consent judgment. And uh, this is what they said. They acknowledged the practices currently in place in Kentucky do not comply with the MVRA's requirement, the National Voter Registration Act's requirement, that states conduct a general voter registration list maintenance program that makes a reasonable effort to remove ineligible persons from the voter rolls due to a change in residence outside of the jurisdiction, right? 
And so under that agreement, they were supposed to, uh, you know, begin sending address notices. I'm, I'm paraphrasing as, or I'm kind of trying to sum up what the agreement would have required. You, you get the address notice, and if they don't hear from you, they remove your names after a certain period of time. Pretty simple, right? But they didn't timely do that. And uh, the decision to not do that, it looks like, was made by the Secretary of State's office, then controlled by a left-wing Democrat. And a federal judge uh, basically uh, seemed to me pretty upset, although the judge's ruling doesn't suggest, you know, doesn't say I'm upset. But he extended the agreement out, the consent judgment out, because of the delay. So I, I'm kind of confusingly describing the issue, but I hope you're following it. I'll read directly from the release. A U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Kentucky agreed with Judicial Watch that Kentucky's former Democrat Secretary of State, Allison, Allison Lundergan Grimes, breached the terms of a consent judgment with Judicial Watch by delaying sending out notices voter notices, which allowed the names of people who have died or moved away to remain on the Commonwealth's voter rolls. As a result of the breach, uh, the judge in this case extended the judgment beyond its termination date from 2023, October, to March of 2025, which allows it to encompass one additional federal election. Now, Kentucky already is set to remove over 250,000 names from the voter rolls under the terms of the consent judgment. I, you know, and I, I, want to, I want to focus on that because people say, well, you know, you file these lawsuits, what happens with them? Well, this is what happens with them. You get a quarter million names that shouldn't be on the rolls set for removal. In California, it's over, I think, 1.6 million that they're in the process of removing. That's what happens. Sometimes we don't even have to sue for them to clean up the names. Pennsylvania, we warned a county, Allegheny County, that their roles were dirty, they removed 69,000 names. We didn't have to sue them. So that's what happens. So there were outdated registrations that are allowed to remain on the 20 on the rolls during during um, through the 2022 midterms. So there are names that shouldn't be there that will probably will be there because of the actions of this leftist governor, uh, excuse me, Secretary of State in Kentucky. And why is that a concern? Because when you have names that shouldn't be there, those are opportunities potentially for fraud. That's the opportunities for fraud. That's why you don't want dirty election lists. That's why the lists, that's why we have federal law mandating states, the National Voter Registration Act mandates that the states take steps to take reasonable steps to clean up the rolls. Because dirty voting rolls can mean dirty elections. It doesn't guarantee dirty elections, but obviously it presents opportunities for fraud. Since the Secretary of State's office failed to follow up with the lawfully required notices, registrations belonging to those with a change of address cannot be canceled after the November 2020 election. Therefore, this inaction delayed Kentucky's progress towards ensuring an accurate and current voter registration list, one of the main purposes of the MVRA and consent judgment. The law requires you take reasonable steps to ensure an accurate and current voter registration list. And you had this left-wing left secretary of state official. 
play games to delay the cleanup and a judge called her out on it. So good for judicial watch our attorneys. It shows you that even when we win, we still have to be diligent because their left is always going to be pushing back. I mean, we have current lawsuits in Cal in Pennsylvania right now to clean up the rolls. Our lawsuit alleges 800 extra 800,000 extra names on the rolls there. North Carolina, I think almost a million extra names on the rolls there. Colorado is a mess as well. We have a lawsuit there. We'll probably file law more lawsuits. This is And the left is opposing us. They've intervened. I mean, the same leftists that changed the rules that everyone was complaining about being changed in 2020, they're now targeting Judicial Watch's litigation to clean up the rolls. Why on earth would you oppose taking reasonable steps to clean up the rolls? Reasonable steps. I think you know the answer to that, don't you? They oppose cleaning up the rolls, voter fraud, citizenship verification, anything sensible to make sure that elections are freer and fairer and, and secure. So this work obviously is gonna be more, as I said earlier, more invaluable as time goes on. You know, um, as I write in my update this week, Uh, as I write my update this week, excuse me, I was trying to find the link here. Uh, we could probably, we need a judicial watch just to investigate the COVID crisis, the corruption and accountability issues around the COVID lockdowns and the spending of government money, which is frankly without precedent in American history. Uh, but um, in this case, we, uh, so accordingly, uh, we have been doing a lot of work there. And uh, we were able to extract 848 pages of documents about a California government deal worth $800 billion, actually, for face masks from a Chinese company. Yes, a Chinese company. So we're, we're trying to figure out what was behind this uh, uh, contract, which was quite controversial. So the documents are pretty interesting. You know, uh, the company, the Chinese communist linked company is BYD. It's reportedly been barred by law from some federal contracts for providing faulty electric vehicles and lithium batteries to American buyers. I guess the company was mostly associated with building cars like that. And then they've kind of like uh, big companies, they've expanded into uh, face masks. And these are, I guess, these N95 type face masks. The documents reveal that the Office of Emergency Services Assistant Chief Counsel in California admits that they deviated from the normal procurement process for this contract. Additionally, in the contract between the Office of Emergency Services and BYD, BYD, as I said, uses a different name. And BYD provides no liability or warranty for the mass if they are faulty. How do you like that? So we have this, uh, I mean, it's just, you know, what do you think of the fact that they came up with a billion dollar mass project contract with a Chinese communist linked company for a virus that uh, originated from China? The records include an April 7th, 2020 email from the Office of Emergency Services Assistant Chief Counsel Jennifer Bollinger 
Oscar Sue, senior director of BYD America, which Bollinger say, states, our normal procurement process has been deviated from given the exigency of the situation. In an April 6, 2020 email, Sheila Liu, excuse me, Stella Liu, the president of BYD Motors, the guarantor of the mass, tells the director of uh, the California government agency at issue here that they should open champagne tomorrow morning at our conference call when they were finalized the purchase by California of the billion dollars of the mass. In an amendment to the master agreement, BYD had the refund 247 million to California, the 495 million down payment they had received, apparently because they weren't able to meet the deadline for receiving certification for their N95 mass. And there are all these other emails putting people together from the Chinese Communist Link Company to government officials in California. So these are remarkable documents. Uh, you know, this is what I like. again, this is what I love about Judicial Watch. I know I'm supposed to love Judicial Watch because I'm its president, but I just love this type of stuff. This is a billion dollar contract and Judicial Watch is the one trying to figure out what the heck went on here. Obviously it's controversial because of the Chinese controlled company. Where's the, you know, we're, we're just doing this basic investigative work to educate you about what your government's up to that no one else really wants to do in any serious way unless it advances some sort of nasty political agenda trying to get someone. I'm saying all journalists don't do, I'm not, you know, uh, I'm not going to, there's no caveat necessarily. I mean, some journalists still do good work who are, who are left liberal, but institutionally, the left media is completely unreliable on basic issues of investigative journalism. And anything, any exceptions, frankly, prove the rule. So I encourage you to go and read and review all the documents we've uncovered because the media won't tell you about them uh, because it's inconvenient because the leftists controlling California uh, don't want to be held accountable for uh, their dealings with the Chinese Communist Company over this big mass contract. It's a fascinating read, some of these documents. So I encourage you to go and look at them directly. So separately, speaking of California, we've had two lawsuits challenging uh, uh, two law, uh, two legal requirements in California. There was a first case, we filed a lawsuit in uh, September, 2020, uh, against uh, to prevent California, it's a taxpayer lawsuit, from enforcing a bill which requires that boards of directors of California-based publicly held domestic or foreign corporations satisfy racial, ethnic, sexual preference, and transgender status quotas by the end of 2020, the 2021 calendar year. So it's a quota bill. And um, there's another case we followed up on because they added a gender quota bill on top of it. So we got two cases challenging quotas, unconstitutional quotas in California. And so now they're trying to nationalize it, the left, the institutional left through NASDAQ. NASDAQ is a, um, a place where you um, are able to buy stocks. It's the NASDAQ exchange, you know about it, right? 
And NASDAQ is requiring corporations who um, are listed on their exchange to require a self-identifying female and self-identifying member of a certain certain listed racial backgrounds. I mean, that's self-identifying, what does that mean? If you're a male who self-identifies as a female or does that count? I don't know. And we've had these controversies with people identifying as races that they seemingly at, least at first glance don't belong to. It's, I mean, that's, that's just, I mean, the absurdity of it is just something that is interesting. But of course it's illegal. So I'm cutting myself off. So the proposed rule would require at least one female, let's cut to the chase, and one member of um, uh, uh, minority demographics to be on the board. And if they're not on the board of the listed company, there has to be an explanation. Now, in order for that rule to be taken to take place, they need approval from the Securities Exchange Commission. And the Securities Exchange Commission uh, gave the public an opportunity for notice and comment. And Judicial Watch, on behalf of you, our supporters, filed an objection. We said it violated the equal, equal protection laws under the Fifth Amendment's due process clause. This is the quote, at the heart of the Constitution's guarantee of equal protection lies the simple command that the government must treat citizens as individuals, not as simply components of racial, religious, sexual, or national class. And as I said, racial and gender quotas are brazenly unconstitutional and NASDAQ's proposed rule must be rejected by the Securities Exchange Commission. And Judicial Watch, as I said, suing over similar quota mandates in California and one can expect more litigation if this proposal was forward. So you can go and read the full letter and you can see why the, I, I, I guess it does. I mean, I hope I don't have to explain to you why racial discrimination is illegal under the constitution, the federal law, right? I mean, you think the left opposes racial discrimination? They don't, they want to engage in it. They want to engage in it. They're trying to do it right now in California and right in NASDAQ. And Judicial Watch seems to be the only organization who's willing to take them on. Businesses are afraid to talk about this. They, they Businesses already have informal quota systems. They're never gonna admit to their quotas, but they, whenever you hear diversity, it's you, that's, um, uh, which is fine as a word, but it's usually implemented through quotas or too often implemented through quota systems, which are illegal. You can't make decision, you can't hire someone because of their race, or at least that's not what the law is supposed to allow. But here they want to mandate that. I mean, this racialism uh, is, is uh, something that we've got to stop, both legally and politically and culturally. It's uh, something that we've got to battle. And Judicial Watch is, um, going to court over it, going to court over it. So uh, a lot going on. Uh, we have had a, uh, it's been a big, it's been a, it's been a, uh, you know, we can talk about, I'll talk about the, the Trump administration later in a future update, uh, but it's been, a, it's been a significant and consequential administration. I think it's been one of the most consequential presidential administrations, at least in, mo in the modern era. And, uh, 
you know, President Trump has been terribly victimized. Uh, his civil rights have been abused. He's been a victim of a crime, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of spying and such. Uh, nevertheless, there were significant regulatory changes that were positive from a uh, conservative and rule of law constitutional perspective. Uh, so a lot of good things happened under the Trump administration in terms of increasing defense and you know foreign policy. We can always argue about. Uh, so it's a shame it's ending so uh, with such controversy. But that's that's the uh, uh, you know this, we just have to keep on moving on. You know we just need to continue accountability and we can't let the left stop us from sharing our views about public policy and exercising our God-given rights to petition our government and make our voices heard. So with that being said, I will see you next time here on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.